Good morning, church. Let's jump right in. First Timothy chapter five, verse 22. This is on my heart. I want to share this with you right at the start this morning. Don't be too quick to appoint anyone as an elder and don't share in the sin of others. Keep yourself pure. That is Paul writing to Timothy, writing to another Christian leader and kind of mentoring him in leadership. And he is saying to him, don't be too quick to make anybody else a leader. Don't share in their sins. Keep yourself pure. And I think that is, I think that is very good advice. Proverbs in three different places cautions us to move very slowly when we're going to make important decisions. That, that ability to hit the pause button and not make decisions emotionally is a way that we keep ourselves pure. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Not to, not, not to jump emotionally and make somebody a leader in the church just because they make a good first impression on you and you like them. You've got to take the time to get to know their heart before you decide whether or not there's somebody that God's going to call as a leader. And I think that is, that is great advice. Not to move too quick, that'll keep you pure. Um, teens have, have asked me for advice on tattoos. They always want to know. Every time we do one of our, our Ask Almost Anything series, teens always, that's one of the questions I always get is, how, what does God think about tattoos? Are tattoos okay? And I always caution teens. I, I say, you know, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, you know, where Jesus says, thou shalt not get a tattoo. But I always challenge them, what's your, what was your favorite song five years ago? What was your favorite TV show 10 years ago? And then I use those answers to ask them, is that still your favorite song? Is that still your favorite TV show? Because if it's not, then you've, you've moved past that. You've kind of outgrown that stuff. And then most of us, we no longer like this exact same favorite of something that we had 10 years ago. New stuff comes along and we enjoy that more. We sort of outgrow things. And, and I tell them, you know, you get a tattoo and you stick that on your arm 10 years from now, that might not be your favorite thing anymore, but it's still right there on your arm and everybody can see it. And that's what Paul is telling to Timothy. You make a quick decision, 10 years from now, you might regret that decision. And you're going to regret it in such a way that, that you're going to look back and you're going to say that wasn't very pure. That wasn't good. Um, don't be quick to appoint anybody as an elder. Don't share in the sins of others. We as Christians... Are, are called to avoid a lot of sins. And that's not because God is a God of rules and he doesn't want us having fun. He is a God who knows what's best for us. And he wants us to be able to reach our full potential to serve him and honor him. He doesn't want us wealthy and healthy and, and, and all of that stuff that, that some Christians claim. But he wants us to reach our full potential for him. And he knows that the best way to do that is to not derail our life by jumping on board with a bunch of sin. Don't get into the sins of other people. Don't share the sin of another person. Keep yourself pure. Don't, don't react to everything emotionally. Keep yourself pure. Don't be involved in sin. Keep yourself pure. Breaks my heart when I see Christians who embrace something sinful as a way to honor God. And that happens an awful lot in politics. I'm going to share something I know is kind of dishonest, but it, it really kind of helps my political worldview and, 
And I, I really think we need to elect a certain candidate or a certain party, or we need to we need to get this guy out of there and get this other party in, or, or whatever it is. And and look, I'm telling you, if you can't 100% honor God while you're doing it, then it's not pure. And if it's not pure, it's not what God wants you to do. We are starting a new series at Fresh Start Fellowship. This is part one of a new sermon series that I am really excited about. We started way back in January. We talked about worship. We built on that, and we talked about fellowship. After that, we talked about evangelism. We just got done with that. And now we are in kind of the, the fourth phase of our year. We're talking about spiritual disciplines, the different spiritual disciplines that you need to adopt to either change your life for Christ or sharpen your life for Christ, depending on where you are in your walk. And I am so excited about this series. I think this is this is the one this is the one I've been waiting for. I'm excited for it. And the very first part of that is about purity. We are upstairs right now in the children's ministry part of Fresh Start Fellowship. Because I think when I think of purity, I think of I think of little kids. And I think of some of the questions and and some of the, the things, the statements they make about God, what a pure love they have for God, what a pure excitement they have. When I wish somebody was downstairs so I could run on the floor right now and, and disturb them like the kids do to us on Sunday mornings. But what a pure excitement they have to be here. So that's why we're starting up here, because the, to me, this just makes me think of, of purity. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We are talking about how to be pure in a way that honors God and how can we keep ourselves pure and why does God want us to be pure. And I just want to say right now to, to everybody in our church, but specifically to our families, to our moms and dads, children in the children's ministry, moms and dads of teenagers, that when we think of purity, a lot of times we think about sex and we think about everything that goes with that, lust and pornography and, and, and all of those different things. And you know what? I'm not going to touch on that this morning. That is worth its own sermon. And I just, I really prayed about it, but I just don't think this is the way to do to do a sermon that important. I've got some stuff that I want to say this week, and I'll do it in some videos. Um, but there, I got stuff I want to say to some teenagers, and I got stuff I want to say to some moms and dads about purity. And watch for those videos, and anybody can see them. They're going to be on on Facebook. But that's not what this sermon is about. I'm not ignoring that. That's a big part of our culture, and I'm not ignoring that. That's a big spiritual opportunity to preach about, but I want to kind of go in a, in a, in a more pure direction this morning, if you'll forgive that, that very, very bad joke, because I think God's got a lot to say about purity in addition to what he talks about for, for our sexual relationships. So we're not going to be focusing on that this morning, but that is why. Um, let me pray, and then we are going to jump in and get started. Lord, my biggest prayer right now is that what I want to communicate, I, I could say in a pure way. And I don't mean that I say it just in a holy way, but I mean that I can get distractions out of my head, that I can get out of my own way, that I will be able to share with my church family how it is I think you want us to be so that we can get better at serving you. Why is purity so important in our spiritual walk? 
Why is it important in the way that we that we live and do life together as a church, together as as family? And how do we do life with you, our King, our Savior? So Lord, I just pray that all of that other stuff just gets shut out right now so that I can focus on you and your word and share my heart with, with these people that I love so much. Lord, I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Let us jump right in to the topic of, of purity. The definition of purity, it's always good, I guess, to know exactly what we're talking about, make sure we're all on the same page. Purity means freedom from adulteration, change, or contamination. Should it clarify a negative change? Freedom from all of those things. Um, freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. And I just mentioned that a few minutes ago. That's not where we're going this morning, but that is one of the definitions of purity. And I think as, as a Christian, if I want to be pure, if I want to honor God and chase purity in my life, I need to know what purity is and what, what the Bible says about it. And I need to have a sort of a pure thought life. I have to start with the things I think about and, and can they be pure? The Bible's got a lot to say about our thoughts. The book of Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What you think about, that's who you are. The stuff that you think about, that's who you really are. Not who you tell your spouse you are. Not who you, you show to the neighbors. Not who you claim to be. Not who you want to be. But the stuff that you think about, the stuff that goes on in your head, that's who you really are. The person you really are, is that person chasing God? Or is that person chasing sin? I want to ask you a question that I already know the answer to, but do you think you have a dirty mind? And I think most people, I think their probably gut reaction to that question, especially in church, is go, oh, no, no, not me, no. But let me let me clarify. You know, dirty means anything that isn't completely pure. All it takes is one drop of mud into the cake batter, and it's no longer really cake batter, is it? All it takes is, is one little thimble full of poison into the punch bowl, and it is no longer a punch bowl filled with punch. It is now a punch bowl filled with illness or maybe death. So it doesn't take a lot to change something from pure to impure. So is, is your mind dirty? Is your mind impure? The answer, of course, is, is yes, because you're no better than me and my mind is not pure. We all have things that we struggle with. We all have things in our thought life that we struggle with. We all struggle with all kinds of different things. Some of the stuff I might struggle with you might not even be an issue for you. But some of the stuff you struggle with might be something that I've never even thought about. We all have different struggles and we all struggle to different degrees. It's one reason that church family is so important and that is one reason that so many pastors are frustrated right now because we can't all be together where we draw strength and encouragement from one another. 
Your mind, just like my mind, all our minds, we struggle with this stuff. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was deeply grieved. Genesis 6, awful close to the beginning of the Bible. It didn't take long until we grieved God with the way we were acting. And, and it's really easy to blame those sinful folks back then during that time. But do you really think that they were worse than us? Do you really think their culture was more depraved than ours is? Do you really think they had more selfishness? Do you really think they had more greed and dishonesty? Do you really think they, they looked at each other with, with more hatred and, and more lust and, and more desire to hurt and, and more desire to, to move them down so that they can climb up? I don't think so. I think our culture is filled with that kind of stuff right now. The Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread. This is a problem that's all over. This isn't just one or two people that struggle with, with being impure and they ruin it for the rest of us. This is something we all struggle with. And, and church, this is why I'm preaching on this. This is why I think this, this purity topic is so important to start with because this is something that affects all of us. And I'm not talking about all of us big picture right now. I'm talking about Mark. Because if I can't do my best to be pure, to get pure, then I can't minister to you. I can't be the man God wants me to be to my wife. I can't, can't minister and, and speak truth into the life of our teenagers. You can't parent your children if you're not striving to be pure, not the way God wants you to. You can't honor your mom and dad. And I don't care if you're six years old or 16 years old, we're 60 years old. You can't honor your mom and dad if you're not striving to be pure. You cannot be a good employee. You can't be a good employer. You cannot be a good neighbor. You can't love your neighbor if you're not trying to be pure. And this is something that scripture tells us we all struggle with. If you can hear my voice right now, if you can see this handsome face, you are struggling with purity. And I know what you just thought when I said the word handsome, and that probably wasn't very pure. Sin is, ever since sin entered the world, we've been living in corruption and selfishness. A willingness to bend the rules to gain money. A willingness to bend the rules to gain power or to get ahead in somewhere just to feel a little bit better about yourself. An ability to put your own needs ahead of those you're supposed to be looking out for. Do you see any evidence of this in the world around us? You see anybody in politics who's, who's willing to bend the rules for money or power or to get ahead? How about the entertainment world? How about in your particular workplace? How about in your family? How about in the person that looks back at you when you look in the mirror? Any ability to bend the rules to get ahead? Any ability to, to act selfishly in a way that serves yourself more than others? Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the guy that looks back at me in the mirror. A guy who's, who's willing to, to do things that don't honor God so he can feel a little bit better about himself. 
I'm not trying to tell you that I'm some sort of horrible person you need to be afraid of. But I'm trying to tell you that spiritually, my thoughts, guys, I struggle in this area just like, just like all of us do. And there are probably people that would look at my struggle and say, man, you're, you're in good shape. That's not that bad at all. But any little bit of impurity keeps you from being pure. I've not arrived. None of us have. David wrote, one of, the, one of the greatest characters in the Bible, one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. King David wrote in Psalm 101, I will not let anything worthless guide me. I hate the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. I messed that up. Let me read that again. I will not let anything worthless guide me. I hate the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. This was a man who was deeply aware that his own thoughts had betrayed his desire to serve God. That his own thoughts had betrayed his ability to, to be pure. This was a guy who saw a woman, and not just a woman, but a married woman. Not just a married woman, but a beautiful married woman. A naked, beautiful married woman. And he saw her, and his thoughts were not pure. And he took those thoughts to the next step and made a plan. And he took that plan to the next step and said, hey, go get her and bring her to me. And we know that story. We know how that affected his life. And we know that the sin that he piled upon other sin and then more sin on top of that to try to fix what started with an impure thought. And he cries out to God, I will not let anything worthless guide me because he knew where worthless stuff would take him because he had let it take him there. You've let it take you there. And I know I have. Y'all, I'm an immigrant to these parts from the great state of Ohio. So y'all is a word that I have heard a lot of times in my life, but I've it's entered my vocabulary now that I am down here amongst y'all. And y'all, let me tell you, there, there have been sins in my life that have really led me astray. So I can tell you how bad those are because I know the thought process starts and then you start going where you don't want to go. So I feel David here when he cries out, I will not let anything worthless guide me. He's saying, God, I'm not going to let worthless stuff take charge because I've let worthless stuff take charge and it took me somewhere I didn't want to be. And it hurt my relationship with you and it hurt my walk with you and it hurt my ability to serve you. I hate the practice, the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. I hate sin. I hate my sin. It will not cling to me because I'm going to try to focus on you so hard that I'm just slippery when the sin tries to grab me. I hate my own sin. I, I'm going to tell you, a pet peeve of mine. I hate the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin. I hate that phrase because I hate when we use that in sort of a weaponized way and we say to, to people, 
non-believers or to believers that are really struggling. I love you. I just hate the things that you do. I, I, that just has never struck me as a great way to minister. I have, I have felt for many years now, the thing that I ought to be screaming is love the sinner, hate my own sin. Because my own sin, that's the stuff that keeps me from loving the sinners. That's the stuff that keeps me from being better at loving other people. We need to grow to hate our own sin. We need to get so close to God that there's no room for that sin in our life because we are consumed in the presence of him. We, we've got a culture that is just, just destroying family. And that is something that, that Shannon and I just really built our ministry to young people around is this attack on the family structure. Mom and dad loving their children. And there are so many things that try to get in that and try to derail that and try to ruin that. And it starts with any sort of impurity. Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, Dwell on these things. Did you count all that stuff I just said? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That's like eight things right there in this, this long sentence. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, whatever is pure, lovely, uh, commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, Dwell on these things, truth and great character and justice, purity, beauty, things that are worth praising, things that, that, are, that are morally excellent. Dwell on these things. Dwell means to live. We're not called to look at those things. We're not called to file in the church on Sunday morning and sit there and the pastor talks about those things and we're supposed to say, amen, preacher, good job. Love that stuff. Great. I'll see you next Sunday. We're not supposed to look at those things. We're not supposed to hear them once in a while. We're not supposed to agree that they're good for other people. Look, if you can hear me, I'm talking right to you. You are supposed to live on these things. Set up camp on these things. And while you're camping there, you build a home on these things. You live on these things and you stay on these things. Because these are the things that we are supposed to embrace in our life. These are the things that will take us to being pure. Now, we are never going to be perfectly pure, at least not on this side of heaven. Our goal shouldn't be to become pure because we can't do that. But our goal should be to get closer to purity because the closer we get to purity, the closer we get to the way God wants us, and the closer we get to the way God wants us, the closer we are to God. And the closer we are to God, the better we love other people, and the better we serve other people, and the better we are. Shouldn't that be our goal? Purity is a spiritual discipline, not because it's a good idea to be nice, but because nothing else in our Christian walk matters if we keep letting dirt and impurity get into our walk, then our walk is no good. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It's one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, does this mean you get your heart to the right spot? And you're going to look around the corner and you're going to see God walking towards you? Does this mean if you get your heart to the right spot and you're, you're shopping down at Harvey's and you're going to push your cart into the cereal aisle and there's God trying to decide between Frosted Flakes and Lucky Charms? Does this mean you're going to get to the right spot and you're going to walk out to the, to the breakfast table one morning for your morning coffee and you're going to see God sitting there at the table with you? It doesn't mean that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's our goal. That we can aim so much at purity. We can run so fast after purity. We can hunger so much for purity that we begin to see God in all things. That we begin to hear music that makes us think of God. Not just worship music when the praise team is leading us on Sunday morning. But we begin to, to hear children laugh, and it makes us think about God. We, we begin to recognize in all areas of our life that God is moving in that. We have a financial struggle, and we see all the times God has had his hand on us financially, and we can take a deep breath, and we can say, I don't know how. But God's got this. And it might get rougher, but God's got this. We can have a financial blessing and we can say, oh, God's moving. That's cool. We can, we can have a fight with our spouse. And we can see God in that because we can recognize, okay, I'm able to see that I'm a little bit selfish. I'm able to see I was a little bit rude. And I'm able to recognize the great gift God has put in my life of a spouse who loves me and takes care of me and that, that I can cling to when life is rough. When this virus happens and we've got a shelter inside with our family and, and I know some of you are really missing family and some of you got family that you'd like to take down to the military recruiter and sign them up for a four-year hitch just to get rid of them because we've been sheltering in together and we're getting on each other's nerves. But in that, can we start to see God? Can we start to see God in that proximity? Can we see God when our kids are driving us crazy? Can we, can we still see the blessing they are? Can we see the great things he's put in our life? Can we look around during this horrible, horrible thing going on in our country right now where people are losing jobs? People are financially scared. People are on their deathbed. People are mourning relatives that have died from this, can we look at that and can we see God moving where our brothers and sisters in Christ are feeding people, are sharing what they have, are sharing their resources, are doing everything they can to minister to other people. I mean, right here in, in right here in this community, just immediately when we when we began to feel the effects of this, this sheltering in, this virus, this, this whatever we want to call it, when we began to feel that immediately, all these young people came up to, to the food pantry and they said, well, you normally volunteer up here, but you're very old and you are susceptible to this virus if it shows up. You go home and you shelter there and you stay safe. 
I will volunteer in your place. Do you see God in that? That is awesome. When we get to be where God wants us to be, seeking purity and chasing purity, we're going to see God in all of this stuff. We're going to be able to see God in everything. And isn't that a spiritual discipline we want? To be able to see the good in all things? To be able to find the good in other people? You know, we talked about worship. And how can we worship God, really, in all areas of our life, when we're not able to see him? Every one of us has had pain where, where we question where God is. But if we can all get to the point, and that happens to me sometimes. So it's not like you're super unspiritual and unsaved, really, if that happens. You are a very normal, saved Christian if you feel that way sometimes. But if we can get to the point where we see God in everything, then we can worship God in everything. We talked about fellowship. The importance of reaching out to our brothers and sisters in Christ, the importance of being together, and the importance of community, and how timely that God laid on Pastor Steve's heart and on my heart that we should talk about fellowship in January and February of this year, when in March and April our ability to be together was going to be non-existent. Do you see God in that? And how we are able to draw strength from one another. Even in this mess that we are in right now, are we able to encourage each other through phone calls and text messages and notes and, and reaching out on social media? Man, social media is a mess. I'm the first guy to tell you, I, I sometimes just wish I could push a button and make it all go away. But what a blessing it's been the last month. I see God in that. For all the faults of social media, I see God using it. I see so much great stuff. And that's not because I'm pure, but that's because I'm striving to get closer to God. I'm trying to think about godly things, and I'm trying to chase godly things. And I'm not telling you that, oh, I'm perfect, that you got to do it like me. But I'm telling you. I see the results in my life when I try. And that's what I want for you. Family, I want you to be able to draw closer to God and see him in everything. Because purity is something that's important to you. I want purity to be important to you because that is going to become the most important benchmark of your life. It is going to help you raise your children. It is going to help you minister to your adult children. It is going to help you minister to your parents. It's going to help you minister to your neighbor, to your coworkers. It is going to strengthen your marriage. It's going to strengthen all of your relationships. It is going to help you. And it's going to challenge you. And sometimes it's going to sting you and step on your toes. Because as we try to be pure, that means we can't be chasing garbage. I have not talked this morning about the entertainment we consume. I have not talked about the relationships we have that don't build us up, that, that, that hurt us. I've not talked about all these negative things that put impurity 
into our life. And I really prayed about that. And that was, that was for a long time what I was going to talk about. But you know what? I know the stuff in my life that's no good. You know the stuff in your life that's no good. What are we doing about it? That's what matters. That's what counts. Church family, I love you so much. I want this stuff for your life. Not because I've got it all figured out yet. You want to pray for me? You pray for my thought life and you pray for my ability to chase purity. Because that's what I'm praying for for all of you. I love you and I want this for you. Not because it helps me in any way. I want it for you because it's going to help you minister to everybody, including me. But it's going to help you be a better Christian. And folks, our culture is in a crisis right now. You know what we need? It's not more politicians. It's not more celebrities. It's not even more money. You know what we need? We need neighbors loving neighbors. We need people standing in front of pain to protect their children. We need people willing to minister to their own adult parents. We need people that are willing to sacrifice. And you know when you make sacrifices for people? When you love them. And how do you best love somebody? You love God and you let him refine you and make you pure. Church family, let me, let me just close with this this is not a one-time thing where you get pure and then you've arrived chasing purity is a daily hourly sometimes it's a minute by minute thing but we're all in this together and we've all got to start taking purity very seriously i love you guys i'll finish up in just a minute you could tell I did this sermon in three different places and I'm, I'm not trying to be artistic but I just thought it would be nice to be able to do that since we can't ever do that when we're live together we can't herd everybody upstairs for part of the sermon and then move out to the back porch for another part and come to my house for the last part or anything like that and I just thought it'd be nice to, to take advantage of the chance to do that I don't know that that adds anything great certainly doesn't add anything extra spiritual but it's just something we can't do when we're when we're live or together. So we might as well we might as well try to enjoy it a little bit as long as this is what we have to be doing, right? Um, I spoke about purity this morning, and right here in front of me, this is this is my desk. I come in here in the morning and I, I sit in this chair and I read my Bible. Most of the time, I'm here with a cup of coffee. Now this is a cup of, of Black coffee, piping hot. There's nothing added to it. It's just coffee. It's really good coffee. Not the kind of coffee we have every day. This comes from uh, Firepower. This is really good stuff. And this coffee, black coffee, so pure, so flavorful, doesn't really need anything added into it. And coffee stops being pure coffee if you add creamer into it. The first thing creamer does, and I've seen this a bunch of times on Facebook because I guess every all these kids are homeschooling now. And one of the one of the one of the science classes, what they had to do is they had to see if they could take the temperature of a cup of coffee and then take the temperature of a cup of coffee after creamer was added to it to see what the temperature difference was. 
And of course, the temperature difference really varies depending upon how much creamer their parents have added to the coffee. And once you add something, it, it changes the temperature of it. It changes the chemical makeup of it. And our lives are like that. When we add impure stuff to our life, when we add sinful stuff, when we put that stuff in there that we know shouldn't be there, that changes who God's designed us to be. That changes who we are. That gets us further away from being able to serve him. What we put into our lives is so very important. So let me wrap up talking about purity this morning with challenging you. What can you cut out of your life that will make you more pure? And I'm very serious about that question. What can you cut out of your life that will make you more pure? Is there a, a sitcom you need to stop watching? Are there are movies you need to stop looking for? Is there social media use that you need to get rid of because it just draws you into political arguments that are not honoring God? Is there a place you go? Right now we're not going a lot of places, but you know, is there a place you go that you shouldn't be going? Is there somebody you have conversations with that you need to not just change conversations, but you maybe need to not be having conversations with that person at all? What do you need to stop putting in your life because it's keeping you from being pure? Who do you need to stop having in your life? What do you need to stop chasing? What is, is exposing you to thoughts that you don't want to have? What can you do to stop that? I mean, if, if you're watching TV and you're seeing commercials that make you want to change your behavior for the worst, Unplug your television. If you're seeing stuff on, on Facebook that's hurting you, get rid of Facebook. We're on Facebook right now, but get rid of Facebook. If you need to get rid of something, then you need to get rid of it and replace that with God. Let God fill that absence. Let God fill that void. Because I am telling you, you cannot be the person God wants you to be if you keep adding stuff that takes you further and further away from being pure. If you keep adding stuff that takes you further and further away from being able to dwell on what is good and true and right. Because we are called to dwell on those things. And we can't dwell on those things if we can't find them. I love you guys. Let me pray us out, okay? Father, it is such a privilege to minister to these people in this place, even in this way that isn't ideal. Lord, I pray that I have not been in the way of, of this simple challenge to seek God and try to stand closer to him and try to be pure so that we can minister better to the world around us. Father, Father God, I just, I, I ask that that is what people retain out of this. Father, I ask that you would help me in this walk so that I can help others. Lord, I pray that you would help others in this walk so that they can help me in this walk. 
Father, I pray that we all recognize how important our faith is and that we need to chase it fast and hard so that we can make a difference in this world that has too much other hard stuff and too much other fast stuff that is no good. Lord, I pray that this Sunday finds our church family well, that people are safe, that people are healthy, and I pray that anybody who isn't will reach out to us so that we can serve them in whatever way we can. Pray this in your, your son's great name. Amen. Church family, if you need anything, you reach out to us and we will do our best to minister to you or to get somebody who can minister to you to minister to you. We love you and we are here for you. We'll see you again real soon. Bye-bye.